1: beautiful you sound like a professional matt eisman now, ladies and gentlemen. now i am matt we're live how about that how about them beans
0: keith this is this is remarkable i uh i'm so glad to be on here we're wearing each other's hats and a chance to i, I gotta say i'm 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 missing being on stage i know a, a lot of the comics i'm ta- uh, uh, talking to not talking to tweeting because we can't talk in person but it's just been <laughs> The thing we miss, we miss the crowds, we miss the live performance, we miss that juice.
1: So so what have you been doing? First of all, let me introduce you to the people. This is Matt Eisman. I've known Matt Eisman for probably nearly 20 years. Yeah. Would you say that? The, yeah, that The so I, I, I actually,
0: off? I have the Rocky Mountain Laugh-Off poster from the first time I did it. It was August 2001.
1: Okay. Uh, so and now, that was when I came out
0: to goodness. Wise Guys for the first time and met you.
1: That, that's a long time ago. And, and yeah. Matt, since then, he did the Rocky Mountain Laugh-Off. For the O's, if you don't know what that is, that's a comedy competition that I put on here in Utah. And comedians come from all over the place. They compete and hopefully do well and have a good experience. And obviously, it seems like you did have a good experience.
0: It was uh, it was one of the most fun times. It, uh, it was, I, I, I'd, I'd done small comedy contests before, uh, Comedy Works in Denver, Little open mic ones. But this one, I think it was five days. We got to perform not just all over Salt Lake, all over Utah. We were in Ogden, Provo. We did outdoor shows, indoor shows. It was was an unbelievable experience as a comic because we got to do club shows. We got to do an outdoor venue, like a music venue, things Uh I'd never done before. And I remember we were sweating bullets. It was a great group. 17 comics started out. And I, I have stayed in touch with so many. Ryan Hamilton, who's mm-hmm. just blown up since then. Well, he was just starting out. Um, and, of course, Michael Batts, PJ Walsh, and Courtney Cronin, some of my dearest friends were in it, Dan Smith. But it was such a good time. And, and one of the things, one of the reasons that I absolutely love you um, is because you're a comic. You started out as a comic. So as a club owner, you're someone who, who nurtures comics, who nurtures comedy. And I I just, I look at the way Utah, I think the reason Utah has a good comedy scene is largely due to you and the way you offer young comics opportunities and the way you push us. So I I was doing that, I, I think I had about 15 minutes, probably four of which was solid. And that was in August and you go, hey, I'd love to headline you. And I go, I gotta be honest, Keith, I got like 14 minutes and you go, you'll be okay. And you headlined me in Ogden that October my parents flew out, and it was the first time I ever headlined. And you were right; like necessity is the mother of writing, <laughs> and you find a way to fill. And it was just amazing that you you took a shot that probably you, you saw more in comics than we saw in ourselves. Well, you know so- what?
1: When I first started doing comedy, and I was in L.A. when I started, so I wasn't up here. And I do remember trying to get money and trying to somehow survive it and, and get booked on some gigs. And that was back in the days when you'd record a big VHS tape and you'd oh, send it in a padded envelope and hope that David Tribble, or <laughs> one of the bookers, would respond. Yeah. And I was trying to become a feature act. And for those of you who don't know, that's like a, the opener that does maybe 30 minutes. And I probably had you know, 10 or 15 and it was wobbly, believe me. But I got booked. And, and I knew that if they said, okay, we're going to book you and you're coming out here in two or three months, I knew that I had to put the pedal to the metal and get my ducks in a row so that when I did go, I had it. And I'd use that same theory, which may not be a great theory, but with you, <laughs> and with Ryan Hamilton, yeah, I remember the first time Ryan and Ben Washburn, who's also a great ah, comic, monster. those guys headlined before they were fully ready or they were booked to headline before they were fully ready. But by the time they did headline, they're ready to go
0: and And I think that was one of the things with comedy People always ask whats what 's the shortcut what 's the way to do it there 's no shortcut. You just do it. you get on stage, and the more stage time you get, the better you get and it 's just one of those absolute it 's an absolute constant the, the more The more times you perform, the easier it gets. The more material you have, the better gauge of your own comedy you become and it was just it, it was such an exciting time i mean starting out it's 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 funny you, they always talk about it you you always think of those glory days when you're really hamming egging it. I mean <laughs> we were driving we drove out to Utah to do this this laugh mm. off because it was an opportunity we we live in l a stage time is 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 so precious and you know if you're lucky you're getting a twelve minute set on a right. weekend, and there is just nothing like when you're up there for forty five minutes and you can let it breathe and you can work it and it is you've created some monster venues out there with some wonderful fans. And it's always fun to go because I feel like Utah is a place where they get it. They, they get the jokes. They appreciate the jokes. And, you know, and I think judging by the comedians you've had coming by, they also, you know, they you know you take, you take care of the comedians. You put on a good room, which people always appreciate.
1: Well, you're very kind. You you got it going, brother. Let me ask you this: during this whole uh, virus thing, that's I don't know if you've heard about, but there's a virus. (laughs) They're asking, are you staying in your house? Are you are you locked? Yeah, yeah. So for a couple
0: reasons, I mean, uh, a A, all the work I'm doing is suspended. So or you know is on. We were supposed to start American Ninja Warrior uh, March thirteenth. We were going to start in L.A. and obviously things started cracking down and. Part of it was the weather that really postponed it. And I mean, it was amazing how in just a matter of, you know, a day it went from, hey, we're probably going to, we're going to skip rehearsal. We'll just mm-hmm. go into taping. And then it's like, you know what? We're going to tape without an audience. And then it went to, we're, we're locked down. And, you know, we had a couple other dates that we kept on the books and those, everything is now just, we're just waiting. We're in the same position that a lot of production is. Um, that requires people being together. You just can't, for safety reasons, do it. So Ninja have Warrior, they given we-
1: you? Have they given you any, because I speak to these LA types all the time, Matt, yeah. and they seem to have the answer as to when it's going to be a go for people. It's going to be safe. What are you hearing?
0: Yeah, What's... you know, President Trump called us up and he told us we, we just were sworn to secrecy. No, we don't have a clue. Listen, I'll be honest. Production doesn't even tell me stuff. I, other people had to text me and go, Hey, I think we're getting shut down. Like, I haven't heard that. Then I'd get a call and go, huh? how, did, how did they know? How do people on Twitter know before the host of the show? Uh, no, I, I, I think, uh, uh, and and here's the other thing, I, you know, I, I used to be a doctor. And so I have a lot of friends. If you watch ABC, their chief medical correspondent, Jen Garfine, still our Jen Ashton, lifelong friend, um, we went to med school together and, and she's really on the front lines. And, and you know, the thing that they say is, we don't know. We just don't know. We're, we're, we're still gathering information. We're trying to figure out uh, when, when things will get back to a semblance of normal. You know, the, the biggest thing is, when can we group when can we stop the social distancing? Because virtually there are very few productions that can go on. Um and you know, obviously entertainment not being the the actual landmark for the recovery, but just for the purposes of this, you know, with Ninja Warrior, we have hundreds of athletes and thousands of fans together. So you know we can't we can't in good conscience get that going until we get the all clear. And so you know nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, But the reality is I think everyone you know, in LA, they they started the quarantine in place pretty early, and so God, I mean, it's been three or four weeks of you know sitting at home, an occasional trip to the supermarket, but other than that, going a little stir crazy. But you know, I, I will say this: there's always a silver lining. For me, I'd been I'd been on the road nonstop um, for pretty long, but for the past seven months, I'd been I was doing a show live rescue out of New York for A and E, where I was well, in New was- York. We,
1: I want to know, how does that show work? So it's an A&E network. It's called yeah. Live Rescue. And is it is it like cops kind of? What is it's
0: Well, if you know Live PD, which is, it's cops, but it's live. It's Live PD, which is a monster show. And so they do Friday and Saturday. So we were Monday. So I would fly to New York. Uh, the, the hub of the show is the A&E studios out of New York, 45th and 2nd. And so I'd go in there. We have crews that are riding in seven cities. With paramedics, firefighters, first responders. So Monday night, I'd be in studio, and you know, if you watch Sunday Ticket ever in the NFL, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Where I'm mm-hmm. in the studio, I'm like, "Hey, let's go to the Green Bay game." I'm like, "Let's go out to Tallahassee. We've got a fire, uh, Sacramento. There are gunshots." And so we'd be going, and you know, we we had a show. So our last, we we were we were doing a show March 16th. The, the one before on the ninth, I remember we had people. We, they were responding to somebody who had a fever. And so, of course, at at that point, we were aware of coronavirus.
1: Was it the 9th of February?
0: The 9th of, no, this was March. So this was still, it was, you know, it was going, but at the same point, just to show how quickly this was changing, we still had the crews out there. um, And of course, the first responders still have to go, but they were going to an infection and, and we were raising the specter of coronavirus. And they were like, you know what, we, we don't want to bring it up because we don't want to start a panic. We we don't know how widespread it is. So let's, until we have it confirmed, don't mention it. Right. Cut to the next week, the show, we couldn't even, we could not go live because we had too many people. Uh, it just was unsafe for our for production to happen. And obviously the first responders are still going out. So, you know, that shows on hiatus. Live PD is doing a, a much more limited run right now, but a lot of it is going to be clip-based or they may have me jump on just talking about my experience with first responders. So people are trying to figure out ways to do things safely, um, but it's hard. This is a time where, you know, Tiger King is, <laughs> it is, it is the show that hit at the perfect time. And I think when we look back on this, Tiger King is going to be indelibly linked to this moment, to this entire quarantine. I agree with that. Um, and it's just been, you know, an interesting documentary that hit at the absolute right time when all now, of America. Have you the watched world, the whole thing? I haven't even watched it. I've been busy watching Ozark. Yes. Um, which yes. I just finished. And Jason Bateman is so
1: good. I love, I love Jason Bateman. Oh, uh, I have not seen the whole thing, so don't tell me. But I, no. I'm like three or four episodes in.
0: It is. It's one of those shows like Breaking Bad where you you watch from the comfort of your bed going, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not in that situation. Right. So I think it's kind of good in the quarantine to watch. And but who's
1: your favorite character on Ozark? Who do you, I mean, everyone. No, ever I mean, here's the favorite. thing I was
0: realizing. I was watching going, I hate all of them. And yet- <laughs> All of them are still, they have some redeeming character qualities yeah, yeah. where you see no matter how despicable they seem, they humanize their parents or, you know, they fall in love and you see these, these moments of humanity from them mm. that I think the show does really well where there's nobody who's a hero um, and nobody who's an absolute villain. They all are kind of shades of gray, which I think is, you know, a really interesting and kind of unusual take when you're like who am I rooting for here?
1: Right. Because you no, kind of I,
0: find yourself, the family, they're really despicable, the things they're doing, but they're doing right. it to survive.
1: I, I will tell you this. Every time Ruth is on the screen, I laugh. Every time. Yeah. Every comment, she, she makes me laugh. And I know I probably shouldn't, but she's a, she's a funny person.
0: And it's amazing, though, how they, you know, and then they show this, this tough exterior, this brash exterior. Then you see the vulnerability of them, too. And they, they show people kind of going through and, and the pressure all of this takes the toll it takes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think it is kind of apropos of we're all on lockdown right now. And the reality is, Hey, it's LA. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. in my house. I've got food, but you just see like the pressures mounting. And I I think of people in New York, you know, you got, you got a family of five, you're in a small apartment. Mm -hmm. The weather might not be great. You can't really take the elevator up. You're on top of each other. Right. I just think people gotta be going nuts,
1: which is why we need comedy. That's exactly right. Have you heard from uh your buddy Schwarzenegger?
0: Uh, the governor he's been he has been killing it online with uh so I was we were doing an event uh Arnold he has the Arnold Sports Festivals. It's right. uh, become a worldwide thing. So Columbus is is the biggest event and IMC the strong man. And so which is along with the pro bodybuilder, those are the two tent pole events. So I'm flying out there to host this thing on Tuesday, the governor and the mayor uh, of Columbus and the governor of Ohio come out and say, Hey, uh, we're, we're going to ban the crowds, no crowds for this thing. And they blindsided George They didn't call him. Now it like, you know
1: was one of the first States to do that. Right?
0: Yeah. So they, ban, they banned the crowds and they're like, great. We'll ban the crowds. We'll do the event. I mean, this is to give you an idea. This is, I, I think it's 20, tw- uh, it's it's something like eighty sports, twenty one thousand athletes, a quarter million fans over three days, and people are coming from around the world. So they take these precautions, shut down the shut down the audience. They'll say, We'll do the events," and we arrive, and then it goes back because they were still having Cavaliers games go off right. and Columbus Blue Jackets games going off. So our the the sports festivals like, well, it seems you're allowing some crowds. What can we do? So it's this real time back and forth. And we go to this event, ended up not being many crowds other than the the final night. And so, we're you know, we have the strong men who I, I did it last year. We'd have fifteen twenty thousand 20,000 people watching. And now we have like 100, some of their friends and family. And and so I was with them as this was unfolding. And that was, you know, our first real taste of, hey, we're needed to take these measures and take it a little more seriously. And, and you know, it, as far as I know, there wasn't any active... Uh, cases of COVID, and and we didn't hear any great spread, and so you don't know. You you don't know. In hindsight, of course, it it needed to be shut down, but you know that was just an example of how we're all learning in real time. And I think there was an idea of what we needed to do, but people just couldn't uh, uh, really grasp the severity of this, and we're still we're still not totally sure. So. I, I think we're all kind of taking these you know, stay-at-home measures and trying to do the best we can and just hoping for the numbers to get better.
1: But you're in medical school. So do you look at it, do you think differently than most people look you know, at it? It's, you- it's,
0: I, I, I'm smart enough to know it's been a long time since I've been in medical school, but my dad's an infectious disease specialist. Um, I have a lot of friends who are, who are big begging it. And you know, like I said, Dr. Jen Ashton, these, these people are on the front lines and I talk to them and they have a good idea, but they're, they're the first ones to say, we just don't have enough data. So let's err on the side of caution as we figure out how transmissible it is, what the real morbidity and mortality is with this. So it's, it's amazing to watch this unfolding in real time. And everyone's, you know, taking their best guesses and trying to do things that are smart and still balance the need for the world to go on. I mean, you're a small business owner that relies on people being there. And so, you know, the, to think of all these businesses that are just sitting here going, Hey, we want to be well, but at the same time, we we got we we got What are we going to do to get money?
1: Can I tell you, man? Right now, and and I believe me, I'm not the only one. Everyone is in a brutal situation right now. But with the stimulus programs and the SBA local, uh, programs that are out there, and the unemployment, and it's the two trillion dollars to work my way through all of that is. I mean, right now. Things are tough enough, right, for everyone. It, it's yeah. a horrible unknown that we all have. So then you hear about the two trillion dollars. You are going, okay, maybe I'll get a little taste of that. That's yeah. all right. You know what? It's my turn to get rescued. And can I tell you, <laughs> it's brutal. I, yeah. I don't think I don't I don't think of that two. I don't know who's going to get it. Yeah. but I don't think Daddy's getting any of it. And well, it's it, like, come on, because we got Matt. We got shut down. Uh, we had a show. And I'll t- I can tell you the moment that I knew, uh-oh, this is trouble, yeah. is that we had, at the time, we had a show going at Wise Guys. It was on a Wednesday night. And everyone is before the show started, and we had the TV on like we always do. Right. And Utah Jazz playing the game at Oklahoma Oh. State. And that was yes. the game when they pulled everyone off. They, they were getting ready yep. to start the game, Yeah. they pulled everyone off the court and then a little while later, they go, oh, by the way, Rudy Gobert has coronavirus. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I felt at that moment, because a lot of the, 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 the club at this on a Wednesday night, which is rare, that it was packed. It was truly packed that night. And the show hadn't started. So on the big screen, they see this weird uh, occurrence of a right. game going to be starting but it's not and the refs leave and then suddenly rudy gobert has tested positive and that's when it was like oh this is in, in at least here in utah yeah that's when it became more real for me and i think for a lot of people that that became the moment of of truth for us and then from that moment on business kerplunk yeah bloody nose done and now it's just like what are we going to do so i figured hey you know what i have a laptop and i have a friend named matt eisman <laughs> <so, laughs> we'll, we'll do that maybe that'll help
0: well yeah here's the thing i think when this is all done people are going to be so hungry for community for comedy for laughter for normalcy and so. it's just when you know because i know all the comics want to get there and all the people want to get there and figuring out when it's safe and and it's to me i think one of the toughest things is just this indefinite nature of it where we're all sitting here going tomorrow next right. week next month when 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 will we have some idea of what's going on cuz i think if they just said listen till august it's going to suck but then we'll be back and it'll be fine it'd be like right. all right let's gird it but it's right. you know it's it's mid april late april june where we're we're kind of you know just trying to figure it out and I think it's really challenging because initially there's this hey we're all locked down we're in this together isn't it great being home and getting to those projects then you're like give me (laughs) listen I was talking to my my brother I was like man I'm feeling a little stir crazy he goes I have a wife I have a job and I have a seven-year-old that are all around me all the time enjoy (laughs) your peace (laughs) okay okay
1: so Matt are you truly by yourself I,
0: I, yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm solo and, uh, so I'd, I'd had one buddy who I'm dragging out just trying to, uh, you know, we're keeping socially distant, but we're like going on rides together. Good. Um, just to have some contact cause yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, and it ain't a great time to be dating.
1: <laughs> hey, um, so we're doing a Facebook live and we're taking questions. Yes. And I'm trying to find uh, if there's any questions.
0: I'm sure there are tons. There got to be people are. People curious. are asking
1: questions. Uh, someone wanted to know about my fern.
0: Is, <laughs> is there just one, or is there is, is there another? One? Are you between two ferns? I'm 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 going solo with a fern. Right. Fern? fern.
1: but it was just otherwise. It was just a uh, regular old... a blank
0: wall. Yeah, you look like you're in prison. This. You're this is, a hostage.
1: This is new. <laughs> this is all new stuff. Um, someone says, "Hey, Matt, love seeing you. I love watching you on the Anthony Cumia show. I love Cumia. in person. Uh, When you're on, why haven't you called the show while in quarantine? It's like, you know, I don't know who asked this question, but I'll say this because uh, there's more loyalty to Keith Stubbs than there is to Anthony Cumia. Oh, yeah. But but, uh, why haven't you called into Cumia? Um,
0: Well, you know, I I think Anthony's a very funny guy. Um, But, uh, you know, they're they're, uh, working for NBC and having been on Hallmark and some of these other channels. You know there is. Let me ask
1: you this then. Okay, so let's get to it here for a second then. So what you're telling me, because I'm familiar with Anthony Cumia, makes me laugh. But they can go off the deep end from time to time, and maybe go to uh, areas maybe they shouldn't. And are you saying, Matt Eisman, that you have relations? Is this breaking up right here? (laughs) Is this just? uh, Did you? you
0: I'm, I'm totally changing the subject. Did you see that official for the WHO? Who uh, they asked him. So it, it, will the WHO recognize Taiwan? And the WHO is hugely funded by China. He goes, "I didn't hear the question." She starts repeating. He goes, "Let's move on." And then he just hung up. I was like, "So that's, that's the way you handle a question that you don't okay, want to all right. answer." Okay, no, listen. I, 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 I there's I a lot the of comedy out there, but yeah, you you know you also want to be respectful of your audiences and your employees, employers.
1: Okay, so this was so being on with me that wasn't. Uh, he H&M. stubs. He's.
0: Pound kick, man. He does the dry bar.
1: Oh, by the way, I'm going to show this hat, this hat here. I don't know if you guys realize I've, I've lost a little hair (laughs) in the last. Yeah. I've got a little bit, a little bit of a hair (laughs) issue, but this is a Matt Eisman hat. And this was, I believe uh, this is first generation.
0: It's the only generation. I, I think I made 40 of them and most of them are gone. You got one. My mom has one that she wears when horse riding. And that was inspired by the Michael Jordan, uh, Uh, air shadow silhouette logo and i came up with that and i'm wearing the wise guys logo very u-dub i love it yeah Uh, um yeah man we we go into these flex fits we we appreciate a good hat game keith
1: flex fit um big noggin let me get another question for you um someone says going from being a doctor to stand up doesn't seem Common path. What possessed you to do this? <laughs> I, do you I, and do you do you ever look at it? Because uh, I mean, you're in entertainment and you're killing yeah. it. From my perspective, I, yeah. it looks to me like I know when you're in it, you may think, oh, it's not that good. Yeah. But I look at what you're doing. I'm going man. This is insane. This is exciting. You're like you're like the Seacrest of other stuff. You're like <laughs> Brian's Seacrest of, of, of muscle stuff.
0: It has been uh, you know, a, a ridiculous ride out here. and not, Certainly not the path I planned. Um, and I don't know, you know, growing up, I never, entertainment was never on my radar as something, you know, I grew up in Denver and it was just, hey, you, you work hard, you go to college, you you get a job, you you go on with your life. Entertainment, yeah. just, it didn't seem feasible. I didn't know anyone in it. And it, it, in med school, I was in med school in New York and I did stand up a couple of times and it wasn't until I was in residency. So I got my MD, I went back, to Colorado, I was doing my training at the University of Colorado. And I just, it was like, man, I, my, my heart is not in this. This is, uh this is, because it's not a job medicine. And Now it's more evident than ever that what, what these people do is a calling. I mean, they're, they're literally putting their lives on the line right now to care for other people. And it is, it's an amazing job. And it was one of those things that you don't do at half-assed. You don't do it just as a paycheck. You do it because it's a calling. And I just I didn't feel it inside of me. And it was this horrible feeling. And so I struggled. I, I really struggled for like a year. And then I said, I, I guess it's got to take a year off and figure things out and, and clear my mind. So I, I thought, you know, you could be a ski bum. You could, you know, be a bartender, whatever, travel. And I thought, you know, I'd done stand up a couple of times and I'd never, because I'd never done anything creative. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is the way to clear my brain. I'll move to LA, try stand up. And I, I, you know, my thought was I'll grow up. I'll appreciate the career in medicine. I'll go back and get it out of my system. Instead, I I just fell in love with being on stage and having a crowd. And you know, I was doing open mics in LA. This was not the evening at the improv. It was four other bitter comics barely listening. But there was just something about it that I just felt like this is what I was meant to do. And I think, you know, would it have been cheaper to not have done medicine and go straight into entertainment? Yeah, but... The two things I, I learned were, I, I think medicine gave me a real uh, determination. You know, it, it honed that ability to work hard and that ability to just grind. But the other thing it gave me was such a perspective on this business of, you know, this is not life and death. What those people are facing in hospitals right now, that's life and death. We're making shows about ninjas. We're, we're, doing, we're doing entertainment. We're telling jokes and at the end of the day, I will pour my heart into it. But I know nobody dies if I screw up. And it's, it's, it's just been so awesome to get to, to get to do this now for as long as I have and to have had, you know, Ninja Warrior has been this unbelievable gift. We're going into season 12. We have a spinoff show, Ninja Junior, that's airing on Friday nights right now on Universal Kids. I'm doing live rescue and getting now, are to you stand-up.
1: Hosting, are you hosting Ninja Kids too?
0: Yeah, Ninja Junior. Uh, yeah, we're, it's our second season. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, we, this is our our fourth sp- we we did uh team ninja ninja versus ninja college ninja warrior we've got ninja ju uh ninja junior um you know i'm they doing- gonna go
1: ninja old school they're gonna do that like <laughs> well the, the go- reality
0: is we've had people we've had 77 year olds on the show it's I know,
1: but i'm talking about uh yeah. 77 well like the bachelor is-
0: the bachelor is doing right. s- love, golden pawn um <laughs> It's I I I love what I do. I love stand up. I love being on stage. I love having a crowd. And it's it's so much fun getting to do these things that as a kid I would have thought this is the great. Never would have thought it's possible. And that's, you know, I'm looking Schwarzenegger. Like to me, that's the apprentice. It was this is the okay. welcome card I got. Uh I don't know if you can see it, but so celebrity apprentice, I got to do it with the new boss. It was when um the old boss got his job and so it was with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I was, you know, our show, The the, the Apprentice became, you know, a, a political hot football, uh, hot potato, whatever. It, it, mean, it became a little toxic on TV.
1: Now it became toxic because people did was it still produced by so Donald Trump? He had he nothing to
0: older? do with it, but in name. He was a creator. So his name was on it. He chose to keep his name on it. So people who loved him were mad because he was no longer hosting. People who hated him were mad because he was still, his name was involved. So, you know, I ended up winning the final shot of the season, me drinking champagne with executive producer, Donald J. Trump under my name. <laughs> and so it was, you know, be, and because I won, I thought, Hey, this is going to introduce me to a whole new audience. Instead. Not a lot of people saw it. And I was complaining about it one time. And my buddy, my best friend, since we were like three growing up goes, dude, are you kidding? You won. You're friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Growing up. Like you had his poster on your wall and now you, you get to travel with him. He took me to Europe to do an event with him. It was on my birthday and he's singing happy birthday to me. And I'm like, this, this has been the thing where I'm like, if, if it all went away, if everything went away and I had to go back to whatever, delivering pizzas or something, I'd still be like, I got to become friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was, it's all worth it for that alone. And, and every time I'm with him, it's just such a kick. There, there is a guy who is larger than life. And when you're around him, it's like, it's like you're in business school. Just seeing the, the charisma and the passion and the way this guy can talk to, you know, people who are, who are the janitors to heads of state. And they all, they all are, are groveling like little fanboys like me when they're around him. It's awesome.
1: <laughs> Have you met uh, his wife?
0: Uh I, well he's divorced I have not met right. Maria he's, Maria he's dating yeah. Maria I've never met Maria which and she she spent a lot of time at Hallmark where I was doing a morning show right. uh, but never met Maria but have met the kids um who are and they're all awesome kids like really that's great. really well grounded kind of you know into their own stuff and I, I think you know despite uh, some transgressions that have been well publicized I think he and Maria have been good parents together and it's still amazing. Seeing how this guy's 72 he just had a heart procedure again and he's just still you know still a movie star still doing these sporting events still politically active still lobbying for so many charities traveling the world and it's just when you're around him you just you get revved up you're like oh man what what more can i do then then he leaves and i go take a nap or play video games (laughs)
1: All right, let me get you some more questions here. Yes. Um, someone wants to know if I'm talking into a hair dryer. So no, that's not a hair dryer. This is called a uh, the blue. Yeah, the blue. Those are like okay, aren't they? Yeah, they're great. I don't even know where the camera is. I, yeah, but yeah, they're they're all right. So, but I, if it looks like a hair dryer, trust me, I don't uh, I don't use a hair dryer. It is. I don't. Ha- I don't it, it's not really nice. It looks like a
0: modern day Frank Sinatra crooning microphone.
1: <laughs> That's what it looks like.
0: I got you, babe.
1: <laughs> oh man. Uh, Matt Eisman. So you're gonna go back on the road?
0: Yeah, I, I hope. You know, I mean I, I had I had dates planned and and you know, we're we're trying to find a date to get out there. And as soon as it's as soon as this is done, um it's gonna be crazy because I think every comedian is just they're just gonna wanna be on stage and the crowd's gonna wanna see him. So yeah, it'll be great to be back out. It'll be great to be working again.
1: You know, it's weird. As I still hear from the agents, and the agents are working from their homes, and then, yeah. you know, everyone's taking a hit on this. As much as I want to rip into some of the agents, who you know, yeah, I know, but uh, <laughs> but it's really difficult for everyone. There's so much uncertainty, and then a lot yeah. of the really the, the big time, big name comics that are selling out theaters, and not just theaters, but like arenas. They're looking to come back into the clubs for a while. Before they go back out, so there's and, a possibility that that happens
0: and you'll know right, and we, i I heard someone talk about that where they're all just it's just going to kick down you know then everyone else it'll just shuffle down, but the you know those comics who really probably are the most hand to mouth like sorry, you know if Kevin Hart wants to come do do a warm up set for our warm up weekend here we're booking Kevin Hart, yeah, yeah I and mean, well, you know it's it's one of the it's the business it is the business where. You know, it's one of those things where it's just you know you you never try to take it personally, and you you just try to get to be one of the people who people want.
1: Okay, here's a question from uh, Adam Johnson for Matt Eisman: Uh, Do you think when all this crap is over, COVID, and things go back to normal, that people will stop being so sensitive when it comes to comedy? You think this is going to change people?
0: I don't know. I I hope so. I hope so. But but um, I don't know. I mean, I I think we've definitely seen people prioritizing things during this. Where, um, you know, the the idea of finding fault with people over small things, um, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's been an interesting time for comedy. Comedy has certainly been evolving lately, and how this will change it, I don't know. I I I think, uh, you know, I'm. As we were talking about some of the people we spoke of earlier, I'm a big proponent of all types of comedy being allowed. If you don't like it, don't, don't tune in, I'm with but that. it should, it should be allowed to exist. And I think that comedy can do an important job of making people laugh about things that are otherwise difficult to talk about or, or just, you know, raising a different perspective on things. So, but you, you know, know for- you're looking
1: uh, in our lifetime. I'm a little older than you. But in our lives, if you look back at some of the occurrences over the last twenty, thirty years, particularly nine eleven, I do remember after nine eleven. I remember when when it when I thir- first found out what was happening, it was in the comedy world. It was like comedy will not survive. People are not ever going to laugh right. again. Remember that it was like no one's yeah. going to laugh again. And then it worked itself out. It takes a little time and, and the comedians have to figure out how to approach uh, subjects that are extraordinarily sensitive and unique. Yeah. But but do you remember that? Do you remember the feeling of that? That was like, I think it was, was it
0: Joan Rivers or Gilbert Gottfried? I think, was that when he did the aristocrats Gilbert? Oh yeah. It was right around then. And and Joan Rivers, I think they were the first, the two of the first comedians who were like, this is when we (laughs) need comedy. And, and I do think there is some of that of, you know, people, when people feel comedy is dead or it's too, this something's too serious for it. I think that's when comedy is really helpful for for so right. many people. Just to be like, God, let's crack this shell, man. Let's because you got some emotions in there. Let's laugh to get them out. Otherwise, you're going to cry. And it's you know, it's I, I think it's a. a tr- I've always thought humor is the best way to deal with with serious emotions. The best way to just kind of confront it and get it out there and and try to try to try to handle it. So you know, I, I think comedy is going to be more needed than ever. It's just a question of how will people consume it? You know, we, if it's in clubs or if it's going to be, you know, I, I, when people will get over this, because I think there is going to be, people are going to be so pent up. Yeah. They're just going to want to be around other people and laughing and have some sense of normalcy.
1: I, I agree with that. I think that it'll take a little while for people to acclimate like they did with nine eleven. Cause yeah. I, I was open uh, wise guys had barely opened. Then nine eleven happened.
0: Yeah. And it
1: was like, well, oh I mean, the, the laugh
0: off was in August. Yeah. We, it was right before it, and and I I I you know I, I don't know. It's such a good question as to how will this impact the state of comedy. I don't know. I mean, look, com- comedy's changing, but people are always going to want to laugh. So it's you know figuring out figuring out, I guess. You know what, the new rules are, or I don't, I do not, I do
1: remember it. when nine eleven happened happened, a few other things. I mean, when the stock market took the big dump in 2008, I do remember going, Oh, I guess I'm going out of business. This is what going out of business feels like. Yeah. Because it was like business went to zero. All, all that happened is like, Yeah, oh, okay. So I guess, I guess it's over. Is that how this is going to go down? <laughs> is and, it, that, huh? and you know, right now it feels, uh, you know, it feels similar to that in a way mm-hmm. because – and it ble- not just for me, but for everyone. Everyone's yeah. life, everyone's gig, everyone's rela- – everything's thrown off, everyone's job. E- even if you don't – even if you get a salary from somewhere, what you're doing is affecting someone else. And it is a yeah. tough, tough situation. So I spend all my time um, watching uh, CNN and getting mad. And then uh, – <laughs>
0: Oh, God, I have to log off social media. Oh, oh, it, it really I, is one of those things when you just, you're like, let, let me get some pertinent information. Let me put it down. Because you can sit there for hours going, oh, my God, the sky is falling. We're all going right, to die. Right. What, what What's the point of any of this? That, and that's what just, I do. That's exactly man. Oh.
1: You can me. describe me. I'm but, that guy.
0: I, look, I do think this is unprecedented in its scope. and the, the, I mean, the worldwide impact of this. But you're right. I think there is an advantage as you get older and having lived through things that felt like the world was ending. Where you realize, oh, it, life goes on. You know, it may change. There may be some impact, but eventually, people want normalcy, and they'll adapt to whatever will become the new normal. But they're still going to want to laugh. Still going to want to eat. Want to get drunk. Want to have sex. They want to do all that stuff. And it's just a question of when can they do it.
1: You know, with with 9/11, one of the main differences is that you know the World Trade Center was attacked, and it was that was a weird. What's going to happen next thing. Now, with the COVID, everyone in the world. So it's not like, oh, there's a good guy and a bad guy. Right. Like with anytime there's a terrorist attack or a war right. and you, you side with whoever you want. But this is everybody. So everyone, if they're in Ecuador or if they're in Brazil or if they're in Russia, everyone is uh, under the same threat, which is frightening. I think it, I hope it brings people together. I, I don't know.
0: I, I do I think there, there is, you know, I do think it is. I just think if you watch the news or social media, that's where you see people hashing things out. Right. In, in probably a, you know, I, I think it's, it's just the, you know, a, a small segment of what's really going on that can, you know, when you go around your community, and you see people coming together and neighbors helping neighbors. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think yeah, this is the we are the world moment, um, and it will be interesting because viruses are a part of life like the, we expect the seasonal flu and the question will be what's going to happen with you know covid it, they, if we knock it down now will it come back in the winter will will we always now every kind of winter spring start to fear oh my god is this is there something else coming yeah you know yeah, where you it's going to be a while where and you know i i didn't grow up with it but my mom told me about uh polio and how you know every summer some kid would get it and they would be terrified to go swimming and it just felt so scary. And then a vaccine came around, came about, and that's something we've never had to live with. And, you know, they're working at incredible speed to get a vaccine out, but it probably wouldn't be until, you know, next year at the earliest and Uh. barring some miracle, but you know, this is also a chance I think for an unbelievable period of, of human ingenuity and kind of uh, to see people responding under incredible circumstances. I think this is the first time, you know, certainly since I've been alive, where the entire world is uniting against one problem. I agree um, with that. And and to see everyone like, you know, this is not hey, hunger or climate change where we're doing it in addition to things where everyone is like, this is our focus right now, beating this virus. And it's you know amazing to see the companies developing masks and people figuring out these tests and, and working on vaccines and coming up with new ways to make masks. So it's, 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 it's awesome. It's an awesome chance to see people rising to the occasion. And, and again, it's, it's uh, one of the interesting things that I, I saw, and I saw the president say this the other day when someone was saying, Hey, are you, are you downplaying this? And I, what I, the the thing I liked that he said was, this is awful. I could say a whole bunch of horrible things, but I want to deal in hope right now. I want to give people hope. And I thought that's, you know, it's not a bad thing. I I keep thinking back to Morgan Freeman. Hope is a wonderful thing. <laughs> I hope I see my friend. I hope, and and just I I think it's uh it's nice to say, man. I'm I'm you know I'm trying to focus on the positive stuff because you know when you watch that negative stuff or in the middle of the night when you you know your windows open you wonder is COVID sneaking in. We well, you can, know what? It, it
1: can be scary. At, just the other day when uh, the prez said, "Hey, we're going to have this thing done by Easter." Yeah. no one believed it but I was glad to hear something and yeah. I was glad to hear that there's some kind of a because we were you were talking earlier we don't know when it's going to end but yeah the fact that he said uh Easter Easter's great Easter's a great holiday the dude he doesn't you know he doesn't he
0: and well Fauci and I thought Fauci and Fauci came out and, and like obviously he's been the voice of reason in this yeah. and he's like no he's aspirational that's what we're certain you know we're going we for. need some aspiration yeah and he's like that's our goal and we didn't meet it. We ain't coming close to it. But it, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, I think, uh, I think hopefully just about everybody appreciates the severity of the situation. So, you know, let's have some comedy,
1: man. You want another question? Yeah, one other another question. Um, this is from Dylan. He said, share some of your memories with Keith. That would be me with the yeah. hairdryer. Um, of the 2002 Olympics. The 2002 <laughs> Winter Olympics. The 2002 okay. Winter Olympics were in oh Salt Lake City for those in, of you who don't know. Uh, and we had the opportunity to perform. Uh, there, there were only a few comedians that were asked to perform in the Winter Olympics. I think it was 8. Is that what it was? Eight. And it, Matt Eisman was one. It, I was one. There was a I, few others.
0: When you when you told us about that opportunity, I remember getting giddy. Because the Olympics are huge. They really are they're special. And it was so awesome. We got to go out there and we got to go into the Olympic village. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing because to me, that was also, it was a big event because it was just after nine, nine yeah. eleven, And I, they were talking about canceling the Olympics in Salt Lake. I, it, it made me fall in love with Salt Lake city to see how this city, how you guys had prepared for it and how, it was so easy to get around, to get to the events. But we went into the village and we performed. And it was amazing, other than the fact that half the crowd didn't speak any English. I remember there were two brothers who grew up in Houston but had like an Argentinian parent who were part of the Argentinian bobsled team who were pretty much cool runnings it. And they were just drunk, having a blast. And it was so awesome. And we got a coin. I've actually got my coin over there that we got these, these coins. These like metal coins as, as a thank you kind of a challenge coin if you're familiar with military that was one of my most prized possessions and I was just talking to PJ the other day and we had photos in front of like the Olympic flame and watching the medals it was it was just awesome and so this this was one of the reasons you know this in the grand scheme not a big deal but I was invited to cover the Olympics for NBC I was going to be doing a daily show with Akbar on their streaming service and we were going to get to go to Tokyo
1: Oh, just here in a few months.
0: Here in a few months, they just invited us, and it was—you know—I was just like, "Man, this is going to be amazing." They're like, "You know, we want you guys to have all the athletes. You'll get to go to any event you want. Any celebs will bring by. We want your show to be a ton of fun." I'm like, "This is this is going to be a dream. This is going to be 2002, only even bigger." And you know, it got pushed, and it'll—you know—it sounds like the Olympics will happen in 2021, and obviously, there are much bigger things to cry about. But it just – there are certain things, like getting to meet Schwarzenegger, there are certain things where you think, man, if I got to participate in the Olympics doing this, doing the the broadcasting, hosting, it's just amazing some of the opportunities that come around. And and 2002, again, probably well before I was ready that you got us in there. And it was just – PJ and I were were just talking about how awesome it was to be a part of something. Because, you know, the Olympics, it's for these athletes – it's their biggest day of their lives. Mm-hmm. Something they've spent most of their lives training for. And for these people to be, you know, to be around these people who are all like pe- hitting peak, the peak of their lives at that moment. Right. And just imagining all the sex and partying that was going on that we weren't invited <laughs> into. <laughs> it was awesome. Is Matt
1: Eisman, he's a, he's a man about town. Uh, he hosts like almost every other show that Seacrest doesn't host. <laughs>
0: Which if is, he gets sick, I'm willing to step in, Ryan. Dude,
1: I say why so not. Kelly. Well, they got, I got that other dude trying to inch in on his territory on American Idol, that Bobby Bones. You see that? No, oh, no. You know Bobby Bones?
0: Really? Uh-uh. Who is he's he? radio?
1: He's a radio guy in oh, Nashville, he? does country radio, but somehow no one cares, by the way. I'm going to tell you this, though. But he's on American Idol, so Secrets interviews some of these guys, and then this guy looks just like him. He's a, so I wonder if this, they're grooming this guy to replace uh, It Could
0: be. Could be. Maybe Seacrest is slowing down. Maybe he's,
1: like
0: he's do got his half a billion bank? dollars in the bank. He's just like, what What do I got to, what do I got to host for?
1: Here's another question for you. Are you going to be involved in the Patrice O'Neill documentary?
0: Uh, I, 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 I didn't, I'd, I'd met Patrice a couple times. I didn't know him that well. Um, I doubt they'd invite me, but I will certainly watch it. I think uh, he was an absolute beast. And when you mentioned that, that previous radio host, I, I remember back in the old days, listening to, Patrice, uh, Bill Burr, Bobby Kelly, Rich Voss, Jim Norton, those guys going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And as a comedian, hearing those guys, mm-hmm. just, you know, it's like tough, tough crowd with Colin Quinn, where you just saw, man, those, you know, that's what, that's the, I, I thought they gave a glimpse of why comedy is so much fun for comedians, because you're around these other great, rapid, super fast minds. And it's so much fun when you're a comedian around other comics. Just how how you feel your mind that that's one of the things that I just when I talk about why I love comedy, when you're on stage you have to be so present. Where it doesn't matter if you're sick, it doesn't matter if you're you know you you're, you just got dumped by a girl or mm-hmm. you know you're not feeling well, you're hungry, whatever. Once you get on stage, it all goes away, and you're just there with the crowd. And and to me, my mind never feels sharper than it does like midway through a set when you're going, you're in a groove. And you're feeling your jokes and you're looking at the room and and you see someone who's 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 not paying attention, like, oh, I'm going to comment on them and, and then call this back. And it just feels you're so present. I always liken it to how Michael Jordan described the basketball, the hoop getting bigger and bigger when he just was, was on fire in the zone. And right. I think for comedians, that's the best feeling, to have your mind where you're on that high wire without a net and you're out there and you're making people laugh and you just feel like I got them in the palm of my hands and they don't even know what I'm about to hit them with. And that's why I, I thought Patrice was one of those guys who could just be in a room and just decimate people. But then when someone would get him, he'd laugh. And, and yeah. I just, I, I think he was, a, he was a great fearless comedian. And, you know, there are times where you think, man, I'd love to hear his take on how comedy is changing or some uh, of these topics. And
1: Yeah, uh, Patrice O'Neill, he was at Wise Guys about five months before he passed uh, away. And he was fantastic. Funny, funny as can be. Just, and very, didn't... And you know what? He was nice because I thought that he would be intimidating. Yeah. Kind of like, because he's a big guy and a great comic. So the point where you might be a little afraid of him. Yeah. He was nice. He was like, he was pleasant. And I, I had heard otherwise. Right. Yeah. But no, he was fantastic. Me. It's, Let me get you another question. You want right, another one? You know. Yeah, I love this. I, I know you got to go. What do you have to do tonight? What are you doing? You going to watch? Uh, <laughs> are you I, watching I, any of the late night stuff where they sit there and they, they do nah. their show like we're doing right now?
0: I haven't been. Yeah. Is any of it worth it?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, there's moments when it's worth it. It's just different. You know? You,
0: you, you know who I was watching? I, David Spade. He had that lights out and he's been doing a monologue just on Twitter. Yeah. And I, Spade makes me laugh. The guy makes me laugh. He yeah. is, he's a, he's a, he could be just that bitter biting comedy, kind of like Jason Bateman, but man, few people do it as well as he does. I, I now, love Have you been on
1: it. that show lights out with David Spain?
0: I haven't, man. I, again, I'd love to do it. It's, it's tough. You know, I'm a comedian, but, yeah. but unfortunately out here, most of the people know I'm the really loud guy from Ninja warrior. So got to remind you, these people.
1: Do you hang out at any of the comedy clubs? When Sometimes
0: you're I, you know, I've, I've been going to the store and the improv, um, but I was the the travel to New York every week, you know, I'd fly out Sunday, fly back Tuesday. And then in between we were doing Ninja and corporate gigs. I just wasn't around in town enough. And now you can't. So
1: let, let me ask you this. Do you turn gigs down? I mean, are there other things that you've been offered? You go, no, nah, I'm not doing that.
0: Man. Yeah. We, I mean, mo- the only things I've really turned down have usually been just time. Uh, Cause I still am a big proponent of saying yes to a lot of things and trying to, I have a new podcast game show that's coming out April fourteenth. called... Hey, yeah, tell 40s. me about
1: that. I saw that it's a game. It's a podcast game show, yeah. which is perfect for the uh, what's going on. Was this worked on prior to? All we this?
0: we did this back in October. We we did fifty episodes, and it's with Endeavor Audio, who does they did like the uh, Dick Wolf did a serial thing with Parker Posey. They had one with Rami, Rami Malik Right. and they're they're kind of trying to change the podcast model. I think has been just really content focused and they're trying to do high quality content, but also figure out ways to monetize it better and, and advertise better. And so having William Morris endeavor in there uh, is a little bit better, you know, neither here nor there for me, but we did a game show. The people who created it, Cleve uh, Keller and Dave Knoll, they create a chop. They create a punchline. They, they've created thousands of hours of TV and they're really good at shows. So it's just, it's, it's a trivia show. Three people play. we, the, the, the hook is we give you a, a clue that's the the initials of the answer so you know it it would be uh, HP uh, okay. HP was uh, an orphan who grew up with his aunt and uncle um, he was forced to live under the stairwell uh, HP went to an unusual school for special children um, HP uh, was considered uh, a, a, a uh, an expert at what he does yes there it is so I win and the, I get the, hook, the hook is okay so when you think you only get one guess so you got to figure out you know with the other people going it's it's fun so do you keep you keep giving
1: <laughs> uh the trivia questions? yeah and
0: so the, the 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 hints keep getting more obvious until like he had glasses and a lightning scar on his forehead right, right. um and so you know we go through we play three rounds and then the the winner goes to a bonus round and it's it's just mindless cheer. You can play it in the car. And the cool thing is it's, it's also it's – not, it's not Jeopardy where you have to have this vast encyclopedic knowledge. Like most of the stuff you can figure out. It's just a question of how quickly you figure it out. So, you know. So there hopefully. are
1: contestants. Are they so just we did it.
0: We did it. Yeah, we did it, um, we did it at a sound studio in New York. We'd have three contestants. Right. But we ran it like a game show. We ran it with, you know, sound effects. We had music coming in and out. So it's if you think about it, a lot of times Jeopardy's on, you're not even watching, you're listening. Right. And you don't need any visual elements. So that's what this show is. But because they designed, they designed it as an, a regular game show, they actually sold it to NBC. So we were planning to shoot a pilot. Actually, this weekend, I was supposed to be in Connecticut shooting uh, the pilot for this for TV, um, but that's on hold. Would, so. it, would
1: this be, if it had all worked out, was the idea to be a summer game show so
0: it could be primetime what they were looking to do is is a daytime syndicated show so kind of like wheel or jeopardy or something where it'd be on you know different markets different channels but it would be uh probably on five days a week that would be the ultimate goal
1: are the guests celebrities or the contestants? so we did you know the for for the
0: podcast we did they were just people in new york most of whom were in entertainment because they're, they're the people who signed up right um and so next Tuesday, we're, we're actually to raise awareness, but also to raise money for Feed America. We're going to do a celebrity version. So it's going to be like the Bella Twins and uh, Ross Matthews. You know, they'll, they'll play like a bonus round. And who, are the, who are the.
1: I should know who the Bella Twins are. Oh, uh, they're
0: uh, Nikki and Brie Bella. They're WWE Hall of Famers, uh, okay. and they have the Bellas show. Oh, I should there. know
1: that. Well, oh, the Bella Twins. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. great. And then Ross Matthews. You mean Ross?
0: Ross! Hello, yeah. Ross! We, we, did a, we did a morning show together, uh, Hollywood Today Live. That kid, he, he is funny and quick-witted, but he is so competitive. He plays trivia out in Palm Springs every Sunday and rarely loses. Ross is, a, he's a bulldog.
1: Like he goes out to these uh, bars. He has, he has a summer nice.
0: house. Yeah, but he does like a brunch one with champagne because Ross is fabulous. He is awesome. Uh, I, I, I love that guy dearly. I think he's, has he done wise guys? Now, is he doing, is he touring? I saw that he's, he, doing- he's he's He has a book out, so he was doing, but I think he wasn't doing, I don't know if he was doing clubs, theaters, and he does a lot of, he's uh in RuPaul's world. He's a judge on Drag Race. Right. So he does lots of things with the drag queens. And uh, we actually did something together that hasn't been announced yet. So we'll okay. kind of tease it there.
1: Is it, let me ask you this. Have you been on the, uh- that mask show. What is that?
0: Oh, the mask. No, I've got a terrible voice. I'd be perfect for that show. I would love now, to go the, on it. So
1: I was watching like five minutes of it last night or maybe a little more than that. Cause I, you watch everything now that you're, heard. yeah. Um, so what is it? Are, are these people, is it actually their voices? Is that who? Is that yeah. who's singing?
0: It's their voices. They modulate them when they're talking to kind of conceal it in case they right. have a really recognizable voice. Right. Um, and you know, it, it, it when this show Came out. We're we're kind of in the business. So, we you know, you hear about some of the shows, and every network passed on it. And Fox was like, fine, we'll take a flyer on this. Nobody thought it was going to be anything. It turned out not just to be the biggest uh, reality show, it was the biggest show of the year uh, that came out. And it has been this unexpected hit. And, you know, Dr. Ken is on it and Uh, he brings on Joel McHale a ton. What a
1: good guy he is. uh, Dr. Ken is a great guy.
0: He is a wonderful guy. And he is. He's doing the UK version. He and Joel have a podcast out, and I, I mean, Doctor Ken is who I aspire to be as a doctor turned comedian. When I right. grow up,
1: didn't he go to Duke?
0: He went to Duke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he right. and clearly he's he's doing very very well.
1: All right. His name is Matt Eisman. He's a thrill a minute. He's got it going on. <laughs> he's killing it. Um. There was one other question. So the mass singer, have they asked you to do it?
0: No. It's so. Uh, it, How do you it get that? Might is that be a agent
1: tough. thing? Does well, the agent go to the a TV a little bit, but like?
0: it's because it's on Fox, NBC would probably be a little bit yeah, hesitant about having me go on there because we talked about Dancing with the Stars. I, I hadn't been invited. I was invited to do Celebrity Big Brother on CBS. Um, I'm a big fan of the show, and my friend's a, a co-EP on the show, and they knew I was a fan, and they invited me. And NBC was saying, and I'm like, don't worry. I do not want to go on that show. Now,
1: I'm, is that... A- that's a CBS show.
0: That's a CBS show, but that's one where you're locked in a house. You know, it, it's like three weeks, four weeks. Isn't that but,
1: kind of a naughty show? Can it go that way? It
0: can. And that, you know, so same with Apprentice. And that was one of the concerns is in Apprentice, you know, we were on camera from 7 a.m. till 9 p.m., six days a week for five and a half weeks. And before I went on, you know, and NBC invited me and, and I knew, look, they know I'm, I got invited because I was on Ninja. And so you think they will be a, a little bit protective, but ultimately they have a show to make. And so my bosses at Ninja, the last thing they said was when you go on the show, remember people like you. And so, cause you know, it's, it is the, the reality is people get under your nerves. They get under your skin. And, uh, you know, I was lucky that I was kind of under the radar. So I, and I, I was kind of the, eh, the goofy, nice guy who was the least famous. So I don't think anyone was threatened by me. So I avoided it, but, um, I, with Big Brother, I'd be scared. It, you'd be scared that you say one wrong thing and not only do you oh. lose, your career is over.
1: Yeah. So that's the same way with being on some of these other uh, shows. Yeah. Might be a little over the top. I
0: mean, I did go on Lip Sync Battle and Dress Share, So with my parents in the audience. So clearly, I. I, I uh, How I'm did you do on that? Some, I won. Whoa. Hold on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you won? Okay. okay. I, what do we got? Get
0: my, I didn't get my coin, but I, I will get this. My lip sync. <laughs> Look at this. Come on
1: now. Does it fit? Do you wear it ever? It, it, this thing is like 20 pounds. Uh so did you did you wear this in like in one episode? You were able to get this belt?
0: Uh yeah, one episode, I beat Akbar. Wasn't even close. He he <laughs> he went into Mike Tyson in his prime, Keith. That guy, that guy had no business being on the stage with uh, a performer like myself. Um, it was so much, you know. In that show, God, they called on a Friday, we taped on a Sunday. I showed up Sunday morning, and we taped it too. Rehearsed for like three hours to do two songs, you know. And I, I'm in drag. We're doing full choreography. I'm in high heels and a thong. It was it wasn't pretty, but you know, I love. I love performing. I love an audience, and I like, I like going all in. So I don't mind looking like a jackass,
1: a sexy jackass. Did you get to pick the songs?
0: Yeah, they, they give you a list of, like, 60 songs because everything has to be cleared. Right. So I did Meatloaf. I Would Do Anything for Love, which That's I a good one. absolutely love. And then Cher, I did Believe, but I did in her Turn Back Time outfit, which was the one she was on the battleship. Did they the- auto-tune you? No. Well, we lip-synced. so. Okay um but it was god they should have auto-tuned me because i still i i I, like i I thought i thought i'll be a decent looking woman i look like buffalo bill in silence of the land like oh i looked ugly i was a big woman a big woman wasn't pretty but it was fun
1: matt uh i'm gonna let you go you need to go uh, pound
0: cake. I I gotta say, man, thank you. This this has been a blast. Uh, you're a awesome. good friend to me and to comedians everywhere.
1: We're gonna have you out as soon as uh, all this nonsense, whatever man, this is.
0: I, I will tell you, I will be there the first weekend if you'll have me, unless you know uh, Kevin Hart shows up. I'll be yeah. out there anytime because I I love I love your clubs. I love okay. your fans.
1: Well, Matt, tell uh, P.J. Walsh. I said, what's up?
0: You've we'll do a very
1: funny comedian. Tell him we'll what's do. Said hello. Tell Schwarzenegger hello from me. I, I... <laughs> and, and thanks again for being on this, and I wish you nothing but the best. You're going to get to it, and you're going to get four more shows to host. Yeah, buddy. You're going to get on the mask, whatever it is. <laughs> it's all going to work out great for you. Well, and,
0: I know the fans will be out there supporting Wise Guys as soon as you open the doors. All right,
1: man. Well, thanks for your friendship, and uh, take care, buddy.
0: Likewise, Keith. Thanks, buddy.